Well, welcome to another episode of the To Be Discussed podcast. I'm your host, Riley Pate, along with my best friend, Adrian Herndon, and we're so glad to have you uh, back on our show. Now, today, we're going to do something that's a little different as we prepare to launch our uh, uh, down-home sport, or good old sports. Good old sports. <laughs> good old sport uh, podcast. And so we're going to have a guy on that I think is probably one of the most unique uh, people I've ever run across in my life, and that is the one and only Coach Scott Pospicle. You said that so right. <laughs> I, I was hoping I would nail that, uh, but that. we are so glad to have you on our podcast today. And uh, Coach, you know, I, I'm looking at your resume here. Again, I, I don't run into people every day. Uh, that have a resume that know the people uh, that you know. We were talking a little bit before the show. You know, you're all about relationships. And so what I want to do today is just kind of listen to your story. You know, where, where, you, where you were, where you came from, and where you're going. And uh, talk about some of those relationships and some of the experiences uh, that you've had along the way. But we're so glad to have you. You know what's really cool is you're with your best friend. Mm-hmm. Talk about relationships. There you go. Yeah. I mean, it matters. And when you got somebody that you connect with that, uh, you know, I've got lifelong best friends. Not many, mm-hmm. you know, but I got some. I always, one of them is a guy by the name of Arthur Brackett. And I always said this about Arthur. He lives in Huntsville, Alabama. That if I was in some back alley in Japan getting ready to get jumped by five ninjas <laughs> and I had one quarter to make a phone call, I could call him, and he, as he would say, he goes, I don't know if I'd get him, but I'd make it interesting. <laughs> <laughs> so so talk to me, fellas. What's happening? How are we today? I'm great. Yeah, yeah. man, this is a great opportunity. I mean, because sports for me, I can say it's big, but to actually be in the presence and get to talk to someone who's been around on a high level and high scale and work with um, professional athletes, I mean, that's amazing. You know, one of the questions I get asked, my, you know, I'm 61 years old. People always ask me how I'm doing. I say, you know, for a guy with gray hair, an old guy with gray hair and a good attitude, I'm pretty good. I feel mm-hmm. good. Um, but I've lived a good life. And not that I haven't had failures, because I have. Um, I've had, you know, more than my fair share, but I've also had some wins. And um, you, you always learn from the failures. And that's right. one of the biggest things, like you guys starting your podcast here, First of all, congratulations on that, right? Thank you. Yeah. How big of a deal, I mean, right? And just yeah. take, you know what? And you're going, you're putting yourself out there. And then you guys drive two and a half hours to come hang out with me, <laughs> right? <laughs> That's awesome. Well, let me just do this. Um, uh, grew up in a little small town, Basketball, Wisconsin. Yesterday, we were in Frisco at the 4th of July thing. And there were, they had a Gideon Bible tent. And there were people handing out the little Gideon Bibles. You've seen them, right? Mm -hmm. And so I look at Susie, and I walk over there, Susie and Charlotte. Susie is the love of my life, right? It's her daughter, Charlotte. And I said to the Gideon, there were two people. I said, let me ask you a question first. I said, where did the Gideon Bible originate? And the guy starts talking about the date and this and that. I said, no, no, I understand. But where did the Gideon Bible originate? Well, it was two guys. I said, I know. But where? And I said, I'm going to save you the trouble. Boscobel, Wisconsin. And the lady goes, I guess that's where you were born. I said, not only was I born in Boscobel, Wisconsin, my father owned the hotel, the Boscobel Hotel, where the Gideon Bible originated. In the Gideon room, 
Oh, so every wow. time I see Gideons, every time I'll see a Gideon, I'll go up and introduce myself. Because, you know, we were, my father was, was you know, in a town of 2,500, 2,510, you know, there's not a lot of activity in a town like that. Right. But, and it's the only three-story building that's still left. It's, nobody lives there. It's a, when I say no one lives there, I think there's a family that owns it, and there's a restaurant in the bottom, but, I, you know, they won't tear it down because mm-hmm. it's historic. Right. So, uh, anyway, we were, we were talking about that yesterday, and. Um, you know, I'm a basketball coach. My, my father in that hotel, I was probably seven or eight years old, um, takes me, he says, I want you to sit down and watch this guy play basketball today. He, he wears number 23, he plays on LSU, and he wears floppy socks. And that was Pete Maravich. <laughs> and that was, the day, that was the day that I fell in love with basketball. And I, I played it. But that was the day I needed to be. I, I, I knew I was going to become Pistol Pop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and, and so um, I think he went for like 62 or 63. Dan Issa went for 55. Kentucky beat LSU. Now, understand this is a long time ago. But that day put me into where I knew I was going to be. Nothing against math and science. Right. I know there are people that love math and science. <laughs> I'm not in that line. Right? <laughs> and so... I just knew I was going to be a basketball player, and I played all sports. Um, but uh, and it's it's you know we were talking about relationships. We moved to uh, from Wisconsin to Florida, and you know youth sports are very important. You know I know parents kind of get in the way. Yeah. Right. You know they have a tendency to to kind of get in the way, but I uh, one of the most influential people in my life is a guy by the name of uh, Coach. Charles Johnson, Charlie Johnson. My dad used to call him chew tobacco, chew tobacco, right? Because he would stick red man chewing tobacco in when he coached us. And uh, he was the little league football coach of the Albendale Packers. Oh, wow. And and so when I look at my Mount Rushmore of coaches, my Mount Pospicle of coaches, mm-hmm. you know, when I was back in Florida, not this past time, the time before, I had I had this has been out. Coach coached me when I was 13 and 14, um, so I'm 61 now. So it's been 47 years ago, 48 years ago, and I go back and see him. Mm-hmm. He's still one of the most influential people in my life. Relationships, youth yes. sports. I found somebody that 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 cared enough about me to be honest right. and coach me, mm-hmm. and not coach me easy, coach me hard. So that, you know, I, I, I didn't, if I made an excuse, that probably wasn't going to work. Oh, and he was going to show me why. So <laughs> anyway, what, what other, you know, I mean, because, you know, sports is a big deal. Riley, you, you know, here you are, a sports talk guy. You right. got the voice 100%, don't you? <laughs> right? Right. Yeah. Oh, I mean, he doesn't need a microphone. <laughs> and, um, but, you know, I didn't, I didn't, like I said, I didn't grow up and want to be a math teacher. Right. You know, I just love, I always tell people, <clears throat> would you rather be an individual or would you rather be part of a team? Wow, mm. that's a good question. And think about it, though, right? right? Adrian, I mean, think about it. Would you rather be an individual or would you rather be on a team? Because the team, there's something magical about being on a team. It, it uh, I mean, I can remember who was on my Little League baseball team in the sixth grade. My best friend to this day, Lynn Jerkins. Um, and... My sophomore year in college at Florida Southern, we win the national championship. 
those guys today are forever bonded. Right. You know, so um, what kind of where what kind of questions do you have for me? Where do you want me to go? Well, well, I, I want to focus in with that coach, uh, you know, and and how people along the way just influenced you right. to who you are. Because like I said, you're one of the most unique people I've ever come across. Um, and, and you're big on relationships. I mean, that's, yeah. you, you say that's a big deal. You know, when you look back, there's we've always had. There's always a teacher. There's always a neighbor. Um, there's somebody along the way that's influenced you. And, and the, my dad said this to me. <clears throat> he goes, "You'll be able to count on one hand the number of good coaches you have in your life." Because once you, you know, you live a long life and you play for a lot of different people, you're going to be able to go back and go, nice guy, not a good coach. Not a, not a nice guy, not a good coach. Um, amazing coach, not a good guy. Very rarely do you run across uh, a handful of them that were incredible. And the first one was my little league football coach. And I always throw my dad in there because when he was, he coached our baseball team. <clears throat> when I was 13 years old, we won the, uh, the state championship. So, you know, my dad, now he's passed away, still my favorite person in the whole wide world. And, um, and then, but Coach Johnson, then when I was in high school, uh, I went, my middle school coach, nice guy. Not, you know, and he's, he was a history teacher. May rest in peace, <laughs> Hellsworth Graham loved him, but not really, has a, didn't really teach me. Right. And then one year in high school, I, uh, my sophomore year, I had a guy by the name of Dick Myers, Coach Myers, and, and he was a real coach, and he was disciplined, he was tough, um, and to this day, I, I talked to him on the telephone probably three months ago, four months ago, mm-hmm. just reached back out to him, and then where I really got my big break was uh, at Florida Southern College. It was a Division II school that was really, really good, um, and I, I went over there and asked if I could walk on. And here, again, is where relationships matter. Um, they said, yeah, you can walk on. So, but I'll never forget this. As I'm sitting in the office, uh, after he agrees to let me walk on, I go over, then I meet him. And he's like, you know, I can find a five foot ten white kid like you anywhere. That's what he said to me. And, and Coach West, I looked at him, I said, not like me. Not like me. And he says, you know, I just don't think we're going to have a spot for you. Because, you know, when you're five foot ten, you're not the most impressive guy. Right. I didn't, I'm not a, you know, I don't walk in when I don't have, I'm not, I don't have my guns blazing or anything like that. <laughs> and I said to him, I said, well, let me ask you a question. I said, is Kurt Alston a good reference? Now, Kurt Alston is the greatest point guard that ever played at Florida Southern College. And uh, he was going to be one of the assistant coaches. He was the assistant coach uh, the year before with Coach Whistle. And Coach Whistle says, yes, if Kurt Austin says you can play, that'll be good enough for me. Picks up the phone, calls Kurt Austin. Kurt Austin opens the door for me. Mm-hmm. I get to walk on that team. I don't play my sophomore year. I mean, when I say I don't play, it's like five games. But I, was, I always said I was the best 12th man in America. Um, nobody cheered harder because I, I accepted my role. Now, that didn't mean I, I accepted... Being a bench guy, I got I went to practice early. I would always be the first one there. I'd always be the last one to leave. Um, I did all that stuff. But during the game, I was the towel waver. Mm. And our best player's name is John Ebling. 
who uh, I just talked to the other day, he lives in Italy now. But uh, John would say, keep me going, Pop, keep me going. So I would keep him going. So we win the national championship, and I get a ring. And I'm like, let's go. <laughs> you know, my town, right. little Auburndale, Florida that I live in, uh, they, they give me the key to the city. <laughs> right? <laughs> Played five games. <laughs> so anyway, we're in the, in, the, in the spring, and we're in the gym working out every day, playing pickup. And Coach Wilson goes, you know, so he didn't call me prospect. He didn't call me Scott. He called me suspect. Mm-hmm. It wasn't good enough to be a prospect, he said. And he said to me, he said, you know, I think you should transfer. I don't think you'll ever be good enough to play here. It was nice of him. Very pleasant. Thank you. <laughs> and I said, you know, Coach, you're wrong. I said, I'll be a starter. And anyway, that summer, I would get up. I would be at the gym at 5 o'clock in the morning. I'd go from 5 to 8.30 with a buddy of mine that was younger than me that wanted to be a player, too. Then we'd go back and go from 1 to 3.30, and then we'd go from 6.30 to 8, 8.30. I would not just take, I would make over 1,000 shots a day. Wow. Okay? I made 100 free throws in a row 18 different times. Wow. The first time I did it, I did it by myself, and I made 133 before I missed. I never hit 133 ever again. (laughs) That was the most I'd ever made, and I did it by myself. Um, But I had many witnesses. I went and did a camp and spoke at a camp, and as I was talking to the kids, I started making free throws, and I made over 100 in a row talking to them during the camp, right? <laughs> so anyway, um, three, you know, I, I become seven games into the, my junior season, I become a starter, and um, I, get, I get a scholarship, and the next thing you know, I'm a starter, second career, and all, all these kind of things that happened for me, but how did I get in the door? A relationship. And then <clears throat> Coach Whistle <clears throat> Coach Whistle gets hired after we win the national championship and he goes to the University of North Carolina at Charlotte. Mm. I finish my, my senior season. He hires me to become his third assistant. Wow. Relationships. All right? Yes. I'm there for two years and we're horrible. <laughs> they ask us to leave and we're so bad. Incredible education though. For me to learn. And then I come back home to Auburndale, where I went and graduated from in high school. And I'm home on a Wednesday. On Thursday, my phone rings. And it's the principal. And he asked me if I, he goes, are you uh, uh, coaching anywhere right now? I said, no, Mr. Payne, I got fired. You know, our staff got fired. I said, but I want to go back into college. He said, well, do you have a job right now? Are you making any money? I said, no, sir, I don't. And, you know, when you're the third assistant back in those days, you made no money. And uh, he says, I'll tell you what, if you'll become the basketball coach here at the high school, I'll hire you as a full-time sub for the last seven weeks of school. And uh, I go, well, let me ask you a question. What do I have to teach? He says, organic chemistry. Adrian, go ahead and say it. I don't look like an organic chemistry guy, do I? Come on, Adrian. Yeah, right? Come on, Rob. Organic chemistry. Yeah. And I said, Mr. Payne? With all due respect, I don't know anything about organic chemistry. And he said, don't worry, either did the last guy, but he couldn't coach. (laughs) (laughs) And he said, the questions are in the front of the chapter, the answers are in the back of the book. Can you do it? And I said, I could. So I take the job. We start having the 6 o'clock club in the morning on Wednesdays, which means before kids would come to school, it was on your own 
mandatory on your own. <laughs> mandatory is kind of that backward there. You need to right. be there. Right. And uh, so anyway, uh, we weren't very good when the year started. We'd lost our second game in front of the student body by 49. Ooh. Here's the, 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 the long story shortened. We win our last five games of the regular season to have a winning record. We finished 14 and 12. Now that was the first winning record they had since I graduated in 1979. This is 85-86. And then we win seven straight games and make it to the state championship before we lose. Greatest year of my coaching career ever. We had seven, eight kids. Um, and this is bizarre. We only played five. I mean, you know, we played five. Yeah. Right. And then two kids got to play of something bad was happening or something really good was happening. You know, mm -hmm. in case of emergency. <laughs> yeah. One was an attorney today, the other was the salutatorian. And uh, so anyway, I have, we go to the district tournament and I have my five starters. I have Jay and Trey. And then we had a guy by the name of Ron Matthews. Uh, and we put two kids up from the JV. Okay. So in the first game of the district, Terrence Barber scores 38. He scores the last 15 points of the game. Ron Matthews is my backup point guard. Terrence is my point guard. Ron mm -hmm. quits. <laughs> well, why didn't I play? Well, hell, Terrence has 38. <laughs> right. I ain't taking Terrence out. <laughs> you ain't a two. You ain't a three. You were a one and not very good, obviously, but I'm not taking Terrence out. <laughs> he quits. The next night we played Bartow High School, beat them, upset them. Now, Haines City, we beat, they were ranked, they were number uh, eight in the state. <laughs> and they beat us both times like a drum. So we upset them, we beat Bartow, and that night, um, another kid quits because he doesn't play. And then we go to the championship game, and the guy doesn't show up. Dale uh, Lefevre doesn't show up because they're going to uh, Circus World with his family. So he doesn't come to the, he ain't going to play anyway, right? <laughs> so we started, we moved right. kids up so we had 10, right? Mm. And so then we ended up winning the district championship with seven guys. Wow. Five only played. And so then I picked up two kids from JV and moved them on the team. And uh, we win, you know, the, the regional, the regional final, then we beat, uh, Orlando Jones, and Orlando Jones comes in, and they're 6'8", 6'7", 6'5". Now, we have one kid that's, uh, we have a 6'5 white kid that is, is like, sensitive. Mm. You know, not real tough, nice kid. And then I got a 6'4 a, a kid named James Boston, who was like a son to me, whose father, or his mother passed away during the season. Um... And we, he was our point guard in the, in the beginning of the season because our football team was really good and they were playing the playoffs. And, um, you know, we, uh, we, we go and win. And I look back on those days and I look at Terrence Barber. We didn't have one of those kids. Well, one kid got a basketball scholarship. Mm. It's when I got the job at uh, Polk, uh, I took him with me. He couldn't play. He, didn't, he couldn't play at Polk either. He couldn't play at Auburn. Now, he's a really good attorney today. And wow. he's made a bunch of money. So in case you ever need an attorney in Florida, I got one for you. <laughs> but, uh, you know, that was that was coaching. So I go through Auburndale. I get mm -hmm. hired because of a relationship. The next week when the season ends, I get hired at the local junior college because the athletic director 
is a guy that I've known. Uh, he hired me when I was in the eighth grade for a summer job. Oh, wow. And then we lose in the conference championship at Polk. And that summer, I got uh, the, what's it called? The, um, it's like the G League now. It's called the United States Basketball League. Coach Whistle comes to Florida with his team. He's coaching the Westchester Golden Apples. And I'm, I know I'm kind of rambling here, but they needed a point guard to play three games in Florida. So he called me up and he said, Suspect, can you still play? I said, I <laughs> So I played three games, but two of the three games were at Palm Beach Junior College. Mm -hmm. I get there early. I sit with the athletic director for an hour and a half. The next year, that job comes open. He hires me to be the basketball coach at Palm Beach. Wow. I joined a company called Excel Communications based here out of Dallas, Texas. Guy's name's Kenny Trout. He's a billionaire today. I make enough money to get invited to his house for events. We become really, really good friends. All of a sudden, he creates a basketball team called the Texas Titans. He hires me and moves my family from Florida to Texas. With bonus and everything, pays me right at just a little bit less than $400,000 a year to be the basketball coach of the Texas Titans. And we're full-time employees. We fly private everywhere we go. Julius Randle was quoted as saying, I think that that's what they said, that we traveled better than the Lakers back in their days. Wow. Um, we flew on the Mavericks jet. You know, we would, it was just an amazing story. But my point is relationships. Every job I've ever had to take and have a resume like I gave you and hand it to somebody like I wanted to impress them to get a job, really hard to get that job. Mm. Normally you get a job when they come looking for you. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, very rarely can you come in and just knock the socks off somebody because, again, it's relationships. Adrian, if you know, if you and I are like, you were in my class, I coached you in high school, and now you're doing uh, podcasts all around the world. You call me up, and I get asked to be on podcasts a lot, and it's you asking me, what am I going to say? Yeah. 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 Come on, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's an interesting world. We didn't grow up in my family playing piano. You guys play piano? I, he does. I didn't do it. I didn't. We never. <laughs> and it's really funny. I have two. I have my dad and my brother are great musicians. Mm, wow. my, but my brother played Nashville for 13 years, <laughs> and my dad was really, really good too. I can't sing. I can't <laughs> dance. I, I kind of slow, right? <laughs> um, but I grew up playing sports. Mm -hmm. And that's just kind of the world that, that I chose to live in. I wish I would have gotten smarter along the way and, and learned more about investing, learned more about properties and things like that. Um, yeah. So I could have probably, I'm learning still to this day. Because uh, you don't want to just be a one-sided coin. Right, right. Um, so... The one word that correlates throughout this whole conversation so far is relationships. So, my question is, build, as far as building relationships, um, what was your approach on coaching? Like, when you, when you coach your students, what was your approach as how to be better, uh, not only on the court, but also, like, in the classroom? You know, when I was younger, I was kind of mean. Mm -hmm. It's unfortunate. You really, you know, you don't have to be mean to coach. Really, honestly, truly, you'll get more from talking to kids and treating them great, but being firm. Right. Um, 
I just knew that you can't go play somewhere without education. You can't. I mean, they're not. You can't get in a school. You can't. You can't go play. Right. And so what it was is we tried to get kids to understand that in order to be the best version of themselves, they were going to have to check off some boxes along the way, and academics was one of them. Okay. Be you know somebody said, well, I don't know that I'm going to need a degree. I'm not saying you need it, but if you want to get in somebody's door, companies like to see on your resume that you were able to start something and finish it. Yes. Yes. Can I get an amen? Yes, amen. <laughs> amen. Right? And, and, and so, you know, and it's a discipline. It's just another form of discipline, no different than boxing out on a, on a shot or diving on the floor for a loose ball or making a two-hand chest pass versus a one-hand pass. Those things are disciplines, and disciplines are taught on all different levels. And so the more you can get people and hold them accountable to understand why you have to do this, 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 and this. It will then carry over on uh, whatever it is, you're, whether it's your job, whether it's your relationship at home, you know, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that was, that was think, the thing for me in coaching with kids is trying to make them responsible. Um, and then just, you know, kind of believing in them. Just, you know, let them know that, you know, it's not fair to say you can do anything in the world you want. Right now, I, I don't know how hard you could train me. I don't think I'd be able to dunk. I think at 61 <laughs> right now, we'd, we'd, we'd probably have a challenge, right? right? So you can't say, no, coach, you can be anything you want. Okay, no, I can't, but I can be the best version of me trying to be something. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I'm not going to become the best math teacher. I don't, no matter how much I want to be the best but I can be the best version of me. That still might not win me the championship, but getting people to understand the importance of just trying to be the best uh, version of themselves, to, to be better, to be stronger, to, to, to be more appreciative, more grateful. Yeah, right. It starts there. I'm telling you, it is, it is being grateful. I have a, a friend of mine that, and I love her, and I'm not going to cry. Her name is Brittany Bridge Rodriguez. And, uh, you know, she's battled colon cancer for a long time. And, and I knew things weren't uh, uh, going well. She'd had like 60-some uh, chemo treatments. Well, they told her the other day that um, they can't do anything else for her. So uh, they're sending her home. And, uh, and she made a post, and she was so strong. And... You know, I had uh, I've had kidney stones a lot lately, and you guys hopefully you don't ever have to go down that route. But um, I had about a six day period where it was just not nice. Right. And so I was talking to Susie, and I said, you know, I need to talk to Brittany. And you know, and, and I'm telling people, and I'm like, do you really think Brittany Bridge wants to hear about my kidney stones? I mean, do you think I could go talk to her and say, I'm having a kidney stone. Do you feel bad for me? No. Now, Susie goes, no, baby, because she cares. She'll want to know. But I think what happens is, you know, people, you know, you don't don't have to look around too far to the right or left. If you think things are bad for you, you think they're bad for you. Um, There are people that are willing to trade places with you in a second. Right. Okay? I mean, because... They'll look at what you have and think it's incredible. You look at what you have and go, I don't have this. I don't have that. I, you know, I don't get to go on vacation. You know, my dad, I don't have a dad, okay? I don't have a mom. 
you know, I mean, it, there's there's always somebody out there that's going to have it better. There's always somebody out there that's going to have it worse. Right. So I think what you do is you just kind of you kind of attack life uh, from a gratefulness standpoint, and then just try to go make things better around you, because in the process of doing that, then you know your life's probably going to get better. Hmm. You know, um, I get asked what I do for a living a lot. You know, hmm. I stopped coaching, but I'm getting back in, right? Right. You know. Going back, and uh, my phone's just so blowing up. Really, people, come on, give me a break. I love all of you. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, when uh, I was years ago, I'm a basketball coach, and a guy uh, that's a president of a college calls me up. I'll never forget. It was January third, ten o'clock in the morning. I answer my phone. Basketball stop hospital. How can I help you? Because people go, what do you do now? And well, this is how I got introduced. On the phone with Dr. Bill Campion. Now, I don't know if he's still the president at Ranger College here in Texas, but at the time he was the president at Central Florida Community College. They call it Central Florida State mm -hmm. now, State College. And I was convinced, he, I asked the phone, he goes, Scott, Bill Campion, it's very, very important that I come and see you. I want to talk to you. I said, well, yes, sir. Why would you like to do that? He said, today. I'll leave my office at 12.30. I'll see you at 6.30. Have a great day. I think he's coming to offer me the job. <laughs> I mean, right? right. My college president drives five and a half hours and doesn't really make an appointment other than to tell you, damn it, you better be there. Right? right. So, I show. I mean, he shows up, and I'm convinced he's going to offer me the job. But he takes out this flip chart and starts throwing things, telling me a story about a company based in Dallas, Texas. In telecom, I'm like, so when he's when the meeting's over, it's like a 30-minute presentation. It was really a, not a very good presentation. <laughs> and he says to me, what do you think? And I said, with all due respect, Dr. Candy, because I went from being happy to see him like this. Because <laughs> there was no come to come to Central Florida, coach. We need <laughs> you, right? <laughs> yeah. And uh, matter of fact, they, their head coach was uh, Gene Smithson, who used to be the head coach at Wichita State. So I guess they didn't need me. And... Uh, <laughs> So uh, I said, with all due respect, what is this? What is it you want me to do? He goes, you don't need to make extra money? Now understand, poor people will tell you, oh, no, hell no, I'm good. <laughs> good. Right. Yeah. I said, no, my wife's got three jobs. I'm telling you, I'm trying to get her to get a fourth. <laughs> and, and so I said, no, I said, I'm good. And he goes, well, let me ask this question. Have you and your wife ever had a conversation about needing to make extra money? And I said, well, maybe a time or twelve, because <laughs> you know women are like that. They they don't they don't they don't like not have money mm -hmm. and to pay bills. And so he said, this is a way I can help you make money. I'm going to help you do this. And all I could hear was, I was thinking in my mind, he's a somebody. He's a college president making probably a hundred and forty thousand dollars a year, which I thought at that time was enormous, right? Right. And uh, he's going to help me. And I'm a hard worker. I'm a, I'm a somebody when it comes to, I'm a good basketball coach. I'm a hard worker. But financially, I'm what you call a nobody. I don't have any money. I live paycheck to paycheck. I mean, you know, and so here I am. And I, I coached, uh, I was the head coach. I coached, this was my 12th year. And the most money that I've ever made at, one, at any one year was $44,918. And it took me 12 years to get there. Right, and I'm the coach at Palm Beach, making forty-four thousand nine hundred eighteen dollars. Man, I'm taking home thirty-six hundred a month. 
right? Right. Yeah, not making any money. <laughs> and I kept thinking, he said he's going to help me. So I signed up. I had no idea what I signed up for. And it was a company called Excel Telecommunications, direct sales company, owned by Kenny Trout. Wow. So, relationships. Mm -hmm. So, Dr. Campion um, signs me up. I go home, and I try to explain it to my wife. Now, my wife's white collar. Her father was an OBGYN retirement party. There were 400 people there, and they owned five houses. I mean, they were somebody's. They were all educated. Nobody, I was the first one in my family to ever go to college. So when I came home and tried to explain it to her, I'm going, yeah, we're going to do this, this, this. Oh, stop. What do you know about this? You don't know it. I'm like, you're right. I don't. But Dr. Campion does, and he said he's going to help me. And I did this like three or four times, and finally I said, instead of getting mad at me, why don't you just say, good luck, try hard. See if you can help our family. So she goes, good luck, try hard. That year, I made $83,000 working part-time. Wow. The next year, I go in, I resign, I quit on, I resigned. My last day was July 1st. That year, I made $206,000. Wow. Now, here's the thing. I didn't understand. I had never done anything like this before, but why did I do it? Because I trusted Dr. Campion, and I wasn't afraid to work. Work does, you know, it factors into the equation for mm -hmm. anything. If you guys don't get in your yeah. truck today and drive two and a half hours to see me, we're not doing a podcast. Right. Right? Yeah. And you guys, you're working. And so he introduces me to this industry. And then because I did well enough, I, I met Kenny Trout, who then hired me to become the basketball coach of the Texas Titans. Three first-round draft picks. 30-plus kids in college on scholarship, some football quarterback at Texas, running back at UCLA, two quarterbacks at Texas. Uh, not just to mention basketball players. You right. know, um, and all because I worked hard in a company and made enough money to catch Kenny Trout's attention. Now, during my time with the Titans, I meet Avery Johnson. Yeah, Dallas Mavericks head coach. Well, his son wow. wants to play on the Titans. So I put his son on the Titans when everybody else, my coaches, didn't want him to. And actually, the truth is, I don't I don't think my boss was that excited about adding him because his son played point guard and Avery's son played point guard. <laughs> yeah, and, Avery, and Avery's telling me, listen, if my son gets eight minutes a game, that's all I care about. We know that's a lie. Mm -hmm. Okay, just so you know that. <laughs> For parents, I just want him on the team. Now, that doesn't mean. Grandparents come into town, he's sitting on the bench, you're in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, Avery comes in and helps us. Really helps us as a coaching staff. And uh, we do a lot of things. We hang out together. Just amazing. And then he gets the job at Alabama. Wow. And now, understand this, guys. I mean, I've been to Alabama before, but driving through. Right. Mm -hmm. I wasn't a roll tighter. Right, I wasn't, I'm a roll tighter today, right? As you look out that window right there, yeah. you see the wall. <laughs> right. So anyway, um, but Avery Johnson hires me. And, and here's the funny thing. Originally, this wasn't funny. Um, he had told me that if he ever goes and gets a job, he's going to take me with him. I wanted to go to the NBA. I'm like, hell, I'm going to sit on the bench and watch LeBron play. <laughs> I'm a four seat. Every game, right? Mm -hmm. And um, so... Uh, 
but he takes the job at Alabama. So I call him up, I tell him congratulations, and I said, hey, listen. He goes, coach, right now my hands are tied. Let me kind of work through some things because he told me he's going to take me with him. Mm-hmm. So for about a month, nothing. And I'm like, damn. And so I'm feeling, I'm very selfish about this because I'm going, man, he told me he was taking me with him. Mm-hmm. Right? You know, be yeah. a man of your words. So it's a Sunday, and we're at the Mac here in Dallas, a little small place, and I'm watching the young Titans play. Cade's on, you know, I'm coaching Cade Cunningham, Mike Miles. We're not very good right. when they're that young. Um, we call them a primetime team, not a not an EYBL team, not a Nike <laughs> EY primetime team. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting there watching Florida Southern play in the Division II National Championship game. And I'm sitting at the damn Mac. Avery's at Alabama. Florida Southern's playing for the national championship, and I'm coaching Mike Miles and Kay Cunningham, who we don't know at that time are going to be great. Right? <laughs> and KO and, and those guys. So anyway, um, I pick up the phone, and I call Avery up, and he answers. And I said, Coach, I want you to know something. I want what's best for you, so don't worry about me. You just go build the best program you can, and I'm going to cheer from the sidelines for you, and just know there's no pressure here, so just go do your thing. A week and a half later, I get a phone call. He says, hey, why don't you meet me for breakfast? I'm in town. So we're talking, and he said, now listen, there's a chance. I'm not for sure, but if it worked out, would you be interested in coming to Alabama? I'm like, oh, hell yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Yeah, so I said, okay. So then he comes back into town a week later, and we meet for breakfast again. And he says, okay, here's the deal. You and your wife are going to have to fly up. We'll fly you up to, Tus- to Tuscaloosa. Mm-hmm. And uh, you're going to have to interview with the athletic director. All goes well. I think you know, we'll see about it. So next week, we get a ticket. We fly up to Tuscaloosa. And uh, we go through the interview process. I'll never forget it. First of all, that we get there. And then we go to dinner that night. I meet the staff and some of the other people there. We have a blast. And uh, the next morning we get up and we go interview with the athletic director. He meets us at the hotel first and we go over there and we probably spent two hours with him. Shake hands and then we got to get out of there and catch our flight back home. And we get back and we probably, it's it's probably 11 o'clock at night. And what's ironic is we land and we're in, uh, I think it was Love Field, and I'm looking for the car can't find the car. Well, in the meantime, my ex-wife, Janet, she runs into uh, uh, Julius Randall's mom, who was flying back from somewhere. Oh, right? So they're they're there, you know, chatting. So I find the car, pull up, and there's Carolyn. And uh, still no message from Avery or anything like that. So then my phone rings. And we're in the car. And it's Avery. I said, hey, coach, how's it going? I said, how do we do today? He said, Coach, I just got one thing to say to you. Welcome to Alabama Roll Tide. (laughs) Awesome. Wow. That's awesome. I mean, I used to get choked up when I tell that story because it was a big deal for me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, because there's so many people that deserve that job. More so than me by far. But how did I get that job? Relationships. Relationships. Yeah. And I'm there for a year. Lose my job. Hardest thing I ever had to go through as an adult to this day. Mm-hmm. Okay? But I've met other people 
made other relationships, and I come back, one of my former players, I've only ever kicked two kids off my team. And one of them's name is Jeff Jones. And Jeff Jones literally hired me when I got fired at Alabama and, and paid me $10,000 a month cash. IRS don't listen. <laughs> and um, for like five months. And I go, he wanted me to become the CEO of his car. He had a car company uh, called Real Performance Marketing. They'd market sales and stuff like that. And I said, Jeff, I don't know anything about this. He goes, Coach, I know you don't. But I know you won't steal from me like my last guy did. He goes, I'll teach you to do what we do. So he hired me. I moved to uh, Panama City Beach. He put me in this bungalow that if you walked out my back door, I'm looking at a $5 million yacht right there in the water. Wow. That was insane. And uh, he hired me. And uh, then what was great is I worked there. I didn't like it. I love him. Right, but I didn't like having to be in an office. Mm. You know, I'm not an office guy. You know, you get a little older, you just, you know, one thing I learned at Alabama, just because it's dark outside doesn't mean you get to go home. <laughs> right, <laughs> sorry, we get to go home. No, 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 no. And, uh, and so um, I was there working for him, and it was, it was, it was not easy for me, um, but he was, I was so grateful for him. And, um, and then one of my other former players, calls me on the phone and says, hey, I'm getting ready to launch a company. Come home. Come help me build it. And that was the company that I've been with for the last five and a half years. Made just a little over $3 million. Uh, got really good looking during that time. <laughs> you know, success will do that to you a little bit. And here's, uh, here's one of the most valuable lessons, guys, that I've ever learned in life. And you always say, you know, I want to help people. I want to help people. When... I started to work with that company, direct sales company. You know, my axe to grind was I'm going to show Avery Johnson in Alabama they made a horrible mistake by firing me. I'm going to prove them wrong. And so I went to work like, like, like I mean, every day. I was a man on a mission, right? And I go, I'm going to show them. I'm going to prove to them. And what happened along the way is I met people. And I became familiar with them and their families and their dreams and their hopes. Mm -hmm. And I fell in love with their causes. And when you start to fall in love with somebody else's cause, then, and, and you know, they want to live in a, get out of an apartment, move into a house, get a, get a better car for their mom, for the wife to drive the kids around and, you know, new tires. Mm -hmm. um, you know, walk away from an abusive situation where, Women have such a hard time in life in the sense of, and if they're women listen to this, I, I would think they'll agree. A lot of times they get into a relationship, they get married, they, they have kids, and they can't get out because they have no money. There's no place to go for them. They're, maybe their parents aren't solid in the sense mm -hmm. of going to live with their parents. They don't want to go live with their parents. But how do you take three or four kids with you and then try to have a job? Where do those kids go, especially if they're young? And so they get locked in relationships they can't get out of. Right. And that's where a lot of problems happen. And so I would, literally, I'm like, well, I can help you. And I would help them go build a business. And all of a sudden, you fall in love with the people. Right. And to this day, when you look up there and you see tail trailblazers, that picture up there is Jennifer Irvin and Caleb Ruckey. Uh, I mean, they're as important to me as, as anybody. Um, I mean... 
I mean, I, I, I view them as daughters. Right. And, and you know, it's just, you, I fell in love with their cause. That one on the right lived in an 800-square-foot house with a boyfriend that had two kids with somebody else. She took a closet and turned it into an office, and now she lives in an $800,000 house. Wow. That's my kind of story. Jennifer Irvin, I call her the queen of kind, the one on the left. Um, I mean, she's, I don't know, I just like, like, if you can have a best friend in the world that's a girl, that's her. Mm. We laugh, um, and she helps people. And so I, I fell in love with her cause, and her husband are fake, like amazing people. And now Kayla's married. She's got a great husband, um, Eric. And it's just that you start to care about people. And when you really care about people, and they're willing to work with you, beside you, and you have to stand in front of them sometimes, maybe sometimes they'll stand in front of you, and they'll right. show you. Um, that's the beautiful part of the industry that I'm in because I can literally, I have the, I'm, the, I'm a game changer. You know, if you mm -hmm. ask me what I do for a living, Adrian, sometimes I might just say, listen, I'm, I've got, I'm a game changer. I literally have the power to change your life. Now the question is, you got to work with me, but if you want to work with me, I'm really good at it. And I walked away from that company and, uh, uh, in, in June, June 21st, not just a few weeks ago, mm -hmm. after making over $3 million in five and a half years. And my residual income had dropped to about $22,000 a month. Now, Adrian, you probably think I'm crazy walking away from $22,000 a month, don't you? That's pretty steep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you, I heard you say that the other day. I was like, you did what? Kind of probably, I mean, you know, here's the thing. And, and I, I told somebody, the guy says, when you say a simple, it's simple math, what do you mean simple math? Well, my biggest month I'd ever made in that company was $129,756. I made that one month, okay? Mm. That's a lot of money. That's pro sports money. Right. Not all-star money, but pro sports money. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> and uh, so anyway, I, uh, I was like, you know, and we were billing about two and a half million dollars plus a month on my right. team. So I've got a, you know, almost a $30 million business working right. from home. <laughs> this month of, the month of June, we were on track to do $370,000 a month. So our, our, our business is, is, is yeah. really in a bad spot. Yeah. And I say this, um, and it was hard for me. But I had to look out for my family. I did. And so um, I made a decision to leave. And I went and started talking to some other companies and uh, to see which one would be a good fit for us. And then uh, when I, Jennifer came with me, Kayla came with me, a young lady by the name of Sherelle. Uh, Kayla was number two. Uh, I'm sorry, Jennifer's number two. Kayla's number three. Sherelle's number five overall all-time income earners for that company. And they came with me to the new company. Wow. It's, it's, you know, we're in 22 countries and we just feel like we're, you know, we, it's a fresh start for us. There's nothing, there isn't anything wrong with the fresh start. Nothing yeah. against the company that I left, right? right. It did a lot for me. But I, I equate it to like being on a, a pro football team, like Tom Brady. I'm not Tom Brady. Not saying <laughs> I am. Right? But Tom Brady left the Patriots to go play for Tampa Bay Bucks. And I'm not saying the company I was with before was the New England Patriots either. <laughs> but Tom Brady made that decision because he wanted a fresh start somewhere else. 
Yeah. You know, he wanted to still be excited, something to look forward to. Right. And um, it's worked out pretty well for the Tampa Bay Bucks. Hey, you know, absolutely. And Tom Brady. And Tom right. Brady. Yeah. So that's what I've done. So I made a change, guys, and um, I'm excited about it, looking forward to it. And things have gone, gotten off to a great start. So when people ask me what I do for a living, I literally could, could take you if you wanted to work and change your life, health-wise, financially. Um, I mean, I can just, I can mentor you and make you a better human being. I'm not saying I'm perfect by any stretch of the imagination. I don't know if I can help you, Riley. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. He tried. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But if if you find someone that's a willing participant mm-hmm. to want to win in life, then great things can happen. But it's 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 a two way street, 100% two way street. And um, you know, I always uh, and and you know, it's just one of those things where if somebody truly wants better. I'm capable. Yeah. I'm I'm more than capable. <laughs> no. Well, what and, and yeah. would you say that 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 competitive drive from playing and coaching and and learning that down through the years has probably driven you and, and helped you to build that drive that you have now? You know, as a businessman, you know, just listen. Oh, no question. Yeah, I like what yeah, goes like with winning. Being, yeah, I like what yeah. goes with being good. Hits me. Yeah, I like driving nice cars. I like having a nice life. I like eating a, at a good restaurant if I want to. Not that I don't use my air fryer, Adrian, because I wear <laughs> my air fryer out. Um, yes. But yeah, I mean, here you know what's really good about about having success, and I've had success, I've had failure. Mm-hmm. I mean, when your income goes down like mine's been going down, I panicked a little bit. I'm not gonna sit there and tell you I didn't, because I was living at a certain level, and now that income's going away, so I gotta hustle, right? I gotta right. figure out what I gotta do, otherwise I'm going backward. And life is much greater when you go up than it is when you go down. <laughs> yeah. um, but yeah, I uh, I was able to give a lot. Um, like from our TikToks, here's an example. Right. We take when you're on TikTok Live, you get gifts from people, mm-hmm. and we took all those gifts and it turns into TikTok money. It's money. You you earn money from TikTok. We've taken the money from TikTok and we would take care of families for Christmas. And in my previous business, I probably purchased a hundred plus pairs of tennis shoes for kids. Wow. Like if you were to bring, come to a meeting, or let's say you got a little brother with you that's like eight, and he's sitting there, you know he doesn't want to be there, so what I did before the meetings, I'd walk up to him, I'd say, listen, I want you to take your mom's phone, or your phone, and go to Nike.com, and if you see a pair of shoes you think are really cool, I'm going to see if you and I are on the same page, because I like cool shoes. I'm a... <laughs> yeah. yeah, those are the Ronald Palmers. So anyway... <laughs> Um, and I said, you pick out a pair and let me see if I like them. So the meeting's over. He'd be like looking at me and I'd go in there. I said, you like those? So I said, hold on. I'd pull up my phone, go to the app, pull those shoes up and I'd buy them and I'd have them shipped to his house. Wow. And the reason I did that is my dad. Hmm. I did not know this when I was a kid growing up, but my dad was always the guy. Here's how I found out Moody Norse. We're at a funeral. And uh, one of our uh, really good friends had passed away, and uh, it was Moody's teammate. And Moody said, you know, Coach, your dad is the one that always used to buy my shoes. I go, what? He said, yeah. He said, "Uh, your dad paid for my shoes, my team shoes. And so then I found out that my dad was always the dad that went back. There's always, you know, one or two kids that doesn't have a, a, 
a good glove or, in the case, team shoes. Can't mm-hmm. afford them. My dad would be the guy that would pay for them. I didn't wow. know. I didn't know. And so, you know, I, I talked to my dad about it later. He said, yeah. And so I started doing that. Wow. And I just, you know, it, gave, it gives me incredible joy to buy a pair of shoes for somebody or to right. give them a pair of shoes. Wow. And, um, and so when I say that I've purchased well over 100 pairs of Nikes, not Adidas. Nikes. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so... Uh, and, you know, I'll never forget, though, there's two different uh, situations. One kid, he ID'd a pair. <laughs> Cost me about 270 right? 250 270 And then I was in Oklahoma, and these two little girls ordered shoes, or they picked out shoes. One was $60, the other was 50 And I'm used to spending, you know, 100 plus, you know, up to $250 for shoes. And I said, are you sure that's the one? She goes, I want that pair. And her sister goes, I want that pair. It's amazing, you know, perspective. Right. You know, they didn't know any different. They didn't know that there was a pair that cost 150 They could have one for them, but they were, they had values. Not that the right. young man that ID'd them didn't have values, or the young lady mm-hmm. that ID'd them. You know, they just, that, they were, she was more aware of the shoe game. These right. people had no idea what a shoe game was. They were just grateful that I was going to get them a pair of shoes. Right. And so I've always done things like that or, you know, somebody calls me up and um, they're doing something, they need something, uh, and, and I've given away a lot. Mm. But I learned that from my dad and my mom. Wow. So that's another reason why you want to be successful in life so that, you know, if you need to give somebody 20 bucks, 100 bucks or whatever, or if you need to help them, you know, one of my one of my buddies. I mean, I, I'm giving a lot of money away to people. Yeah. I bought probably, oh, I don't know, a um, hundred Kendra Scott gift cards, and give wow. them to, to women on our team for for just being there. Mm-hmm. You know, coming and walking in and go, this is a gift for you. And it's a anywhere from a hundred to two hundred and fifty dollar gift card. And they used to think when I started my business. With this pack with the past company, they thought I was dating a girl named Kendra Scott. They thought that was my girlfriend. <laughs> <clears throat> they didn't know it was a jewelry company. <laughs> they didn't, you know. Wow, man. I was going up to Iowa and giving gifts away, and they're like, Who's Kendra Scott? <laughs> now they know. So it's just, I mean, that it comes back, that brings it back full circle, Cups. It's just about the relationships for you. That's what drives you and and makes you a better person. Now, you, you hinted at this earlier, so i got to ask. You're getting back in the coaching game. I am. And uh, tell us a little bit about that. Well, um, the team that I coached that was, you know, the, the team was called the Texas Titans. Mm-hmm. It was owned by Kenny Trout. Kenny Trout's a billionaire. He owns Windstar Farms. His horse justified won the Triple Crown. He won the big race in Dubai this year, another one in, in California. He's just one of the most incredible men in the whole wide world that I've ever known in my life. And um, so uh, the, when, when he got done with the Titans, and I went to Alabama, he passed them to Charlotte Anderson Jones. Charlotte Jones Anderson. Mm-hmm. Jerry Jones' daughter. Yeah. <clears throat> so if you're a Cowboys fan... Yeah, we saw know, her name on this, and I was like, I'm pretty sure that's Jerry's daughter. <laughs> it is. It is. And so... Uh, you know, they took over the Titans. Well, then when I came back from Alabama, they asked me if I'd be the coach. 
So what was really cool about that phase, uh, and that was that was Mike Miles's Cade's team, um, and uh, Paxton, their son. Um, we would fly commercial, not private, like Kimmy's team. But we would land, and let's say we're in Virginia Beach. Well, when you walk out of the airport, there's the uh, Dallas Cowboys bus. Wow. So there's the Dallas Cowboys, uh, and people love the Cowboys all over the world, okay. right? America's so team. yeah, so we're getting we're getting on the bus, you know, going and going to play our games, and people are taking pictures and want to come on the bus and look at it. And uh, so when the tournament would end on a Sunday, Charlotte would not fly commercial. She'd fly up later on Friday and, and fly private yeah. on the Cowboys jet. So they would always fly me home on the Cowboys jet. Wow. Yeah, that never gets old. Oh, <laughs> no, bro, that never gets old. Yeah. <laughs> I always tell people, flying private never is out of style. <laughs> it's great. And um, so I was the basketball coach two years for them. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, it's... Um, and so now someone has come forward and wants to restart the Titans. And they were, they've had meetings before, and then they approached me and asked me if I was going to be the coach, if I would. Now, I haven't, you know, it's not, I haven't signed my name and said I'm going to be the coach of the Texas Titans. I was told that I am. Wow. So, now that doesn't mean something can't change tomorrow. Mm. Um, but, uh, you know, and with my previous company, the owner would have freaked out if I had started coaching and taking time away from my business. But it's my business, right? Right. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so are you excited about? I'm sure you are. You're like, you know, oh, I, I, you actually, and, and here, here's what it is. It's uh, yeah, it's, it's something I'm good at. You know, it, it's it's kind of how I had an identity growing up. Most of my life was, you know, I always tell you, you, you grow up and you're Don and Peggy's boy. Then you're Steve Pospickle, Tim, Steve and Tim's little brother, <laughs> and then you get to the point where you're Scott Pospickle. You know, you're you're right. who you are. Then uh, you have a son, and the next thing you know, oh, you're Jason Pospickle's dad. And then we have triplets. Oh, you're the triplet dad. <laughs> you know, and then uh, then I'm back to being a coach again, the Texas Titans coach. Mm-hmm. And um, then I'm gone now. I'm in Alabama now. I'm the guy that got fired at Alabama. <laughs> Damn that one! That's a tough one. <laughs> and uh, then I, I I joined this company, and you know I'm the coffee guy, and I'm the guy out there telling people how to lose weight and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> you know, and um, now I'm you know I'm Coach Scott, and I mean that's the name that stuck. Right. And here's what's great, you know, Susie, she's amazing. Most everybody like they call me Coach Scott. Mm-hmm. They, all the girls in, in Revival Youth and the company I used to be with, they would all, I was coach, 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 coach. To Susie, she never called me coach one time. Wow. Coach Scott. And, wow. and, and so, again, here, here's life and relationships and being in the right place at the right time. Um, I go to speak at a meeting one night, and it's a really cold night in December here in 2017, December mm-hmm. 9th, actually. And um, it's not even a big room, a big group of people to hear me speak. But I told the guy I would come and do the presentation. So I come, and I walk in, and I see Susie. And I'm like, and I'm going through a divorce. I'm like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) But I don't act that way. I just looked at her, and underneath my breath, I went, okay. (laughs) And she's got, I thought, a granddaughter with her. And I find out later it's her daughter, uh, a a later-in-life child. Now, 
So this is December, and I don't I don't try to be smooth or anything <laughs> like that. I'm, I don't go, hey, what's up? You know, I don't like, hey, you know, yeah. you need to go kick yeah. it, right? Well, <laughs> yeah, man, I was waiting on the smooth talk. Like <laughs> and I was just very professional. Yeah. And then in March, and she's, I find out she's on my business, in my business, mm-hmm. right? So she would come to some meetings and stuff like that, and we would have conversation, but it was never like, hey, we need to go out. So finally in March, um, finally in March, I said to her, I said, hey, uh, it, was, it was through LinkedIn that I wanted to know maybe if she'd like to have a cup of coffee or a glass of wine, and her response was, I'd love to. Let's go, right? <laughs> so I know, so I don't take her out in March. We meet in April on the 26th at La Hacienda Ranch, and that's our first date. Wow, man. I met her in December. I don't ask her out until April. Wow. And then I'll never forget this. The next date, I get a second date, and I take her to an MBA Moms Against Domestic Violence. Hmm. Julius Randall's mom's one of the hosts. So I spend the money for the tickets, donate while I'm there, and, and as we're getting out of the car to go in, um, she says, I need to ask you a question. And I said, yeah. She goes, I don't know anything about sports. Is this going to be a deal breaker? And I looked at her, I'm like, hell no. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> good. She's great, right? Yeah. I said, no. I said, 20 years ago, maybe. Not today. The right. furthest thing away from what I'm interested in is sports in a relationship with a lady. Right. right. Yeah. I just want her to, you know, I want her, I want it to be us, right? So we go to the event, and, and here's, this is, this is, if you looked at my original list of people that I, I put in the business, that my new list, 70% of my best friends are African American. I grew up as a basketball player, a basketball coach. And so at this event, there's, let's say there's 100 people, 95 of them are black. Wow, man. There's five white people in there, and there are two of them, <laughs> right? And so and the reason that I wanted to take her to this is because she needs to see where I'm comfortable. I mean, and, you know, Texas Texas is a little, you know, it's. I used to say this about Texas years ago. The difference between Mississippi and Texas and racism is the spelling of the state. That's all. Yeah, it's true. Because racism it's still true. exists. In that, and we want to think it's getting better. I'm hoping it's getting better, but it still exists. Right. Really, it does. And so I take her to this because I need to see if she's going to be comfortable hanging out with my people, with people that I hang out with that are friends of mine. And she was a champion. Wow. One white person that comes and sits over, his name's Donnie. And she doesn't know who Donnie is. And I've known Donnie for a long time. And and um, there's two other white people that we don't, I don't know who they were. And they're sitting somewhere else. And anyway, but she meets everybody and she's like a champion, right? I mean, just could not be kinder. And so we're in the car going home and I said, what do you think? Did you, did you? Oh man, she goes, I love it. I love the McClure's, you know, uh, uh, King McClure's mom and dad were there. Wow. Um, one of my uh, former assistant coaches, Antonio McKenzie and his wife, Lisa, were there. And this one guy named Buster, he comes up and I, I introduce, he goes, oh yeah, I met her at Julius Randall's wedding. I said, no, that was a different blonde. This one's taller and nicer. <laughs> and she handled it like a champ, right? She did. She handled it like a champ. So I said, what did you think of, of Donnie? She goes, he seems like a nice guy. I go, do you know what he does? She goes, I go, do you know who he is? And she goes, no. And I said, well, his name's Donnie Nelson. He's the president of the Dallas Mavericks. She had no idea. And she goes, well, I like the Spurs. 
I like oh. Tim Duncan, I like Bruce Bowen, and I like Avery Johnson. Those are my favorite players. <laughs> so anyway, so I knew she would be good with me. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we can roll anywhere together, and, and it's just what it is. Wow. So, yeah. When so you, y'all been together since 2018? Actually, well, yeah, we, we, we started dating in 2018. We've never had an argument. But when you look at, where's, I can show you my original list.
you know, people and, and being yeah. the, the drive and, and the things that we share in common with the coaching and the right. and the athletic side of things, you know, because you don't meet many people like that. Uh, you know, that they're, they're once every so often that I run across mm-hmm. them. And, and so we're just so thankful that you came on today uh, and that I'm you honored. shared your time. Yeah, I'm honored. honored. Now, if you don't mind, sure. if anyone ever is looking for a way to, to make money or sure. I can help them, mm-hmm. Coach Scott the number five, CoachScott5.com. Okay. Yeah, CoachScott5.com. They can reach out, leave some information. You're, they're going to see a picture of me standing next to a bunch of national championship trophies and some runner-ups. I have to throw <laughs> that in there because we didn't win them all. We've won eight, but we, we lost a few too. And um, But yeah, I can, I'll help. You know, if I can do something to help you. Like one of the groups that we helped is in uh, Wichita Falls, Texas. Mm-hmm. It's a, a organization called Straight Street, mm-hmm. and it's a uh, uh, underprivileged kids in downtown Wichita Falls, and they do a mission there on Friday and Saturday, and uh, the, it gives the kids a, come, a place to come, and they got basketball pool tables, they do ministry there and everything like that. Um, I think I bought, I don't know, like 10 basketballs. Wow. You know, and because I went down there the first time I was there, and I noticed their basketballs weren't very nice. Right. So I said, I'm not going to do that. So I came back the next time with a, you know, Santa Claus bag full of bas- basketballs. Mm. You know, wow. but yeah, it's just, again, it's just awesome. helping when you can help. And sometimes right. it, you don't have to be able to, maybe it's just prayer. Maybe it's just helping somebody, you know, move the couch. Right. Honestly, truly, we used to make jokes about it all the time. You know, somebody comes over and asks you to move a damn refrigerator, don't be afraid to ask them to help you either. Right. Because moving that refrigerator ain't fun. <laughs> no, not really. Yeah, That's one of the hardest things to do. Yeah. But well, uh, I appreciate you guys. Thank yes, you very much. We appreciate you. Th- thank you for coming on. And that's Coach Scott P. And no, the num- Coach Scott. Oh, Coach, Coach Scott. Scott. Coach I'm Scott, sorry. number five. Dot com. Okay. Coach Coach Scott, Scott, number yeah, let me, let me make sure that's correct. Dot I just com. literally got this. Um, hang on, Coach Scott Five, Coach Scott da, 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 Five dot com. Let's see if it pulls up. See what happens here. There it is. That'd be that guy. So Coach yeah. Scott, the number five dot com. Dot if com. you want to reach out to Coach, he'll be happy to help you. And as always, we are so glad that you tuned in to listen to another episode of the TDD podcast with RNA. I'm your host, Riley Pate, my best friend, Adrian Herman. And uh, tune in next week. God bless.